tonight on another exciting adventure in binge-watching. Midnight Meat Train is a better adaptation than Hellraiser. What? How the hell does the magic work in this movie anyway? And Will Smith and Kevin Hart are remaking Planes, Trains, and Automobiles? Why don't they just make a movie called Road Tripping on Turkey Day? Stay tuned. YouTube TV, and it was it was like an hour and forty two minutes. I'm like, oh, I got that version, but whatever, you know. Yeah, if you but watch yeah. if you watch just the studio cut of Lord of Illusions and not the director's cut, like you're very confused by how the magic works. Like the oh, cult doesn't sure. the cult worship doesn't really make sense. Like you need the extended director's cut to kind of fill in the blanks of like. Why is it jumping through these transitions so much? Like, why are these people worshiping this dude? What's his connection to the other magician? What the hell is happening? That's that's what director's cuts are for. Like, the story you think you can leave on the cutting room floor, you always need. Crack open a cold box of wine or pour something cold on ice because it's the Binge Watchers Podcast. Exactly. Yeah. And especially this movie, because this is so the, the Cly- I mean, Clyde Barker is such a talented writer and filmmaker that you need that extended stuff. Yeah. And in the, the normal version really sucks because of it, I think, you know. Well, Dave, Dave jumped in a little bit earlier into this little screening room and uh, okay, we I got on the mics. We got on these hot mics because we're really excited to talk about Clive Barker. Like, as everybody out there should know in the world of podcasts movie and tv podcast and movie fandom pretty much every horror movie fan should find out about clive barker they probably know him without knowing him like they've probably seen nightbreed uh Candyman, definitely some of the hellraisers and maybe maybe even they saw this the the crappy adaptation of book of blood that came out you know in the early 2000s of with the lesser known stories but i mean there's diehard fans of this cheesy 80s movie called rawhead rex and that was one of his stories that they adapted. So it, I think, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the guy's got like, what, 15 or more movies t- taken out of his prolific work as a mm-hmm. horror writer and fantasy writer that I think, I think a lot of people know him without knowing him. Yeah. You know, so. But he's, yeah. but he's only directed three, which sucks. Is that I true? He's only directed more. three times? Yeah. yeah wow. I, See, that's, that's kind of sad because he's a good director, man. This, this one, I think, really put a sore taste in his mouth because like we're talking about the director's cut like he had a vision and it was like oh why the hell am i doing this let me just right. go right i can it, it's my vision if i do it that way right if he can get the financing but he's been doing paintings and comic books mostly. oh yeah he's he's fine clive barker's fine yeah you think oh, yeah. he's fine yeah. well i mean you know you got to remember his bread and butter was mostly it was first the written page so i don't think yeah. it's much for him to walk away from hollywood because he always made his money or you know he he he's a writer first and foremost. Uh, but so. he's probably back back in the days when book deals meant something. Like when yeah. like being a musician, like you got a record deal that meant something. Now we're in the world of Spotify and freaking Amazon book releases. Like I don't think 
I don't think that means anything anymore. You know, like you're <laughs> not know, gonna right? get this giant publishing advance. Like they're not gonna be like, okay, here's two hundred thousand dollars, and we're in. You know, your first, you know, whatever million book sales, you'll be a millionaire or whatever. You know what I mean? I don't think that like. Yeah. That's like not. Have you guys read his books? I mean, he's a he's no. a really talented. Just part of um. Writer. Just the what is it? The Hellbound Heart or whatever? What's the book? Oh my gosh! I've only read part of that story. The one that they turned into oh. Hellraiser. <laughs> yeah. 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 He, Oh, you know what's funny is the one and only book of his I've actually read all the way through was um, his young adult novel, The The Thief of Always, which is actually oh, really love, good. I love that. They were almost going to make that an animated movie at one point. I wish they did, but they oh, something fell through. Of he course. also had a series of um, like young adult or or fantasy stories that he was like inspired to write because of his daughter. So called like Aberat or something and he sold those to Disney but yeah. Disney shelf them like they haven't turned him into anything but who knows maybe they'll show up like in a Disney Plus series at some point but uh, folks if you haven't One guessed day. we're obviously talking about Clive Barker like tonight we're actually covering his movie uh, Lord of Illusions which is adapted from his story The Last Illusion which is included in his Books of Blood um or Book of Blood I always pluralize them I don't know why maybe because there's so many stories that I think there should be more than one book um, but I think it goes in volumes. I think the stories are separated by volumes anyway. So, um, but let's I think, see. I think so. What's new in the world of TV and movies? Um, I saw that the uh, director of Hellraiser Judgment Day or whatever oh, was yeah. butt hurt that they wouldn't they wouldn't pick up his next movie, which was going to be Hellraiser Eleven, and was had that like the last one that came out like a year or two ago. Something like that. I, I, maybe he thought he was going to be the redeeming factor for the Hellraiser series. But and I, I did whatever. see that one in it. It was okay. It was better than the one before that, but yeah. it still wasn't good. That's not even my big news, but I, I, I'm wondering if my <laughs> big news is the same as your guys' news. So I oh, think I I'm going to like try yeah. to maybe drop the the big one for the evening. So I'm going to circle back. I'm going to let you guys and see if you guys <laughs> – like. and this is last minute. Like It's not the the – I had planned to just say who I found out who's playing Spawn, but I'll st- maybe I'll still tell people who's playing Spawn. But I have another thing that like I just learned about like like two hours ago. Yeah, I, I got two things in the news. I, right. I'm ready to go. I, go. I like it. Shoot. Yeah. All right, and I only have one thing, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I should go first just so I don't step on. Yeah, you go first. Maybe maybe <laughs> yeah. we have the same story for all. We yeah, know. we yeah. might. Um, yeah. This one may, I don't know, this one, I don't know, I don't have, I don't know what my feelings are on it yet. I'm kind of, so there's Will Smith and Kevin Hart Oof. are going to do. That was fun. one of mine. That was my biggie. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I guess we all jump in so, on this So we don't, yeah. we don't even have to talk about our other stories. We can just, let's tell everybody, no, Dave, I, what's happening. I, I, I had one more because I knew one of you guys would take that, all so right. I'm all good. All yeah. right. Go ahead, Dave. So. We didn't even finish that. So Will Will Smith and Kevin Hart are set to star in a Planes, Trains, and Automobiles remake. Yeah. And I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I mean, I guess it's fair to say Kevin Hart's got to play the John Candy role because yeah. you That's have what to replace. Because he yeah. has to be kind of like the loser, I'm guessing, because he's certainly not a big guy. So they're gonna have to. He's gonna play the loser role. I'm I'm assuming. The, I don't yeah, this know. is this is the way way I'm thinking about it. Um. Will Smith, yeah, is definitely playing Neil Page because that's the Steve Martin character. That's the straight-laced, like, stick-up-your-ass, tight-laced, tight-ass corporate guy. And I'm thinking of Will Smith's character. He was in that drama, and it was based on a book, and then he was, like, a a salesman. 
And then he becomes uh, like that 40-year-old intern or whatever. Yeah, what is yeah, it? That one. Pursuit yeah. of Happiness. For- yeah. Um, so I, I imagine Will Smith in a corporate life, blah, 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 going home for the holidays. I could see him as Neil Page. And then obviously Kevin Hart and just like his the way he's done the Jumanji movies and a CIA movie, the way his character was in a CIA, like high-strung, lovable loser is – yeah, so he's definitely going to be like the the sad sack, you know? Um, that mm-hmm. was that was like it's one of John Candy's top three roles, and basically the the original Plane Trains and Automobiles is always on our holiday movie list. It's always on our Christmas movie list. We talk about it every Thanksgiving on this show. Um, one many, of us will bring it up, times. and yeah. and the whole thing is it's film history. It, I don't know if it's in like the DC Film Vault. It might. It should. It should be. You know, it should be in like the film archives. You know. Um, the, like the National Film Archives. I, I'm not actually sure if it is, but it should be. It's definitely a home, like a, it's a pinnacle comedy. Like if you talk about the history of comedy movies, it's up there, right? It, it's generally regarded by everybody as a great movie and a great comedy. And so they're kind of like, they're treading on sacred water, right? Yeah. So Yeah, I mean, just, just I don't mind, because it's not... Let's be real. I mean, the, the idea of planes, trains, and automobiles is not exactly a new idea. I mean, in terms of it's no, it's, it's the, the road movie. Couple. It's the odd couple. Just, it's like it's just like. But the thing is, why can't they could put Will Smith and Kevin Hart in a road movie? Yeah, it doesn't it have, to, have be to be plane, trains, trains, and automobiles. And automobiles. I mean, yeah, exactly, because everybody's got to get home for the holidays, right? So they could theoretically just have you got to get home by Thanksgiving road movie. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be the same that, that, franchise. That's the title. You got to get home by Thanksgiving. Yeah, ex- right yeah exactly. Yeah. You know how these I mean, movies start out though. Again, before they, I mean, the, the idea and the formula is not new. I mean, let's yeah. be real. Tommy Boy, which was only like another seven, six, seven years True. after, is kind of the same thing. It just doesn't have the holiday angle or the loser angle. But it's a mm. road trip. The car gets fucked up by the end. Laughs ensue. <laughs> Tommy Boy like, is yeah. the closest other movie just, to to Plane, Trains, and Automobiles. I'll, I'll say that. The road trip, the accidents, how the cars get damaged, it's very close. But the whole thing is, they could have just done that, a holiday road movie. But you know what? I bet you, I bet you this movie that they're going to remake started out as something else. I'm sure half the script exists, or a nugget of this idea exists. Backyard Barbecue in Beverly Hills, something got tossed around by these guys, right? And the screenwriter, Mm -hmm. and it was probably a nugget of an idea. And then they're like, hey, well, we own this property. Hey, what do you think about a big title remake? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Stamp that. Yeah. And, and, and the country's feeling very, very nostalgic right now, right? Like America's kind of in a very fragile state, so we're kind of clinging to all of our greatest hits, right? We're having yeah. drive-ins playing yeah. Star Wars and Evil Dead and Goonies. I think it's going to be a huge hit, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's gonna yeah, be a really hit, well. <laughs> and then it's gonna be such a reheat that like they're gonna be like, oh, this happened before though. Remember when they were remaking everything, everything in the early two thousands? Like they were remaking everything, everything they could possibly remake, they remade. So, but it but it goes through cycles though. I mean, yeah. the thing is, is what we were remaking in the early two thousands were shit from the seventies. You had mm. shit like the Mod Squad or the. I mean, I'm just trying to think like. Uh, yeah. You know, it goes through cycles. Gone in 60 seconds. All the Ocean 11s, 13s, 14s. We're seeing remakes of Saved by yeah. the Bell, of fucking all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> it just goes through cycles. I mean, honestly. Oh, by the way, Dave, if you're wondering who's playing Spawn, I know you're chomping at the bit to find that out. Jamie Foxx. 
I, I thought he was. I, I thought we, he, I already thought he was announced ages. Ago. I, yeah, he's he's been announced oh. a long time ago. I don't know. I thought we didn't mention who was playing him last time, did we? Oh, maybe we uh, did. Who knows? <laughs> um, we probably did. So I guess that's not news. Um, <laughs> is that still is that still moving forward? I thought like Steve or uh, Todd McFarlane was like, like uh, kind of causing trouble or having trouble. I don't know. I thought that was like kind of. You heard it here first, folks. Dangerous <laughs> delivered the news that Todd McFarlane. No, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I saw a recent update, and I don't know. It could just be internet bullshit. Who knows? They're saying they ruined the new Candyman because they they put the How main character on a cover of a magazine and he's holding the hook, and I'm like, that's just a sell fucking magazine. That doesn't mean he's Candyman or turns into Candyman. You know? So is it Tony uh, Tony Todd or no? Yeah, yeah, Tony Todd's in the movie. But I don't think he's actually Candyman. But, but he's, he's not actually Candyman. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. I think maybe the character's obsessed with the Candyman legend, and so he starts to hear and see Tony Todd. Mm. But I don't know where, I don't know how actually Candyman fits into this movie. You know? I don't either. Yeah, it's still too. No. What was your yeah, other I will say it's bit, got Nick? some badass marketing though. I, oh, mean, I don't. I, yeah, the marketing's I, done pretty good so far. They released a teaser trailer. They have this magazine, Empire magazine. Did they spread were on it. Yeah, it looked really cool. Yeah. Um, Nick, you said you had another juicy bit. I do. So remember uh, a few weeks ago we were talking about Leonard Nimoy and how he directed Three Men and a Baby. Yeah. Oh, we got, yeah. An- we got another remake, guys. Zac Efron is going to be. Uh, in three minute or uh, three minute and a baby remake. What character <laughs> so, is he playing? So like, like playing strange automobiles. Now we got the three minute uh, little. That's an easier one to lady. swallow. That's an easier one for some reason. That's an easier pill to to take down. Which, because that Me was too. already a remake to begin with. Actually, it was originally a French what movie. It, oh, what it was? I didn't hmm. even know. What, what's the French movie called? I don't know, but I'm considering watching the uh, the right Turkey now. remake. That's the, the Turkish remake that's on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm assuming Zac Efron's probably going to be the Ted Danson role. I mean, he's got. Or is be, he right? playing the Steve Gutenberg, the the lady killing painting painting guy, the comic artist that was getting laid through that movie all, all the time? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, I, I love the original though. I think the original is really good. I I haven't watched it in years, but oh, I have it's a great. We got to cover that as a double feature. Just, Three men and a baby, and then three men and a little lady. Because there's two of them. Yeah, there's a sequel. And I actually, I actually love the little lady one too. It's yeah, good. it's pretty good. Yeah. Like, if, it's like one of those movies. Sunday afternoon, cool. It's on. You're doing chores, you know. Yeah. You just leave it on. Actually, who would funny? be the two other guys though? Mm. Hmm. So you got Zach Efron, Zach Efron taking on Tom Selleck. Let's assume, right? Who would be Ted Danson and Steve Gutenberg? Uh, go guys. You guys go first. <laughs> I don't know. Um, you get um. What's the kid who played uh? Oh, Jesse Eisenberg. Let's get him in there. All right. Yeah. And then how about we uh, round out with uh, Jonah Hill <laughs> as a Tom Selleck character? <laughs> yeah. Why not? It's 2020. Yeah, because I think Zac Efron should be Gutenberg's character. Yeah, and then Eisenberg could be the whiny bitch actor that Ted Danson played. He could be. That'd be perfect. I could see him being. I could see him being Ted Danson. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Who, who like flies home, finds out he has a kid. Yeah, he's a real shitty actor doing f- commercials in Europe or whatever he's doing in that movie. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. but who's gonna play the ghost? 
Oh shit! Oh man! I, you don't need anybody to play that kid. You just shoot the movie in the same location; he'll still be there. <laughs> there you go. Right? Oh man! I, I love me some Three Men and a Baby, and I think it's a good. It's it's time to remake that movie. You yeah. know, that's that's one that doesn't offend me so much. Like you know, there's sometimes people say they're going to do a remake. I'm like, that's fine, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I feel about this one. Me too. This one's fine. It's been 30 years, or uh, I think it almost 30 years, or yeah. yeah. It, it, it's it's time, yeah. Do you think they could remake tonight's movie? you think somebody could remake Lords of Illusion? I don't. No? I don't. No. It, it, um, it, I think I you could know. update a few of the effects. Yeah, uh, yeah. they should actually just take this movie and replace the early CGI that they used. Yeah, there, there's like I, I mean, it was a good what, mix. There were still some practicals in there. I'm glad he stuck to his guns on some of the practicals. Yeah, the, some of the effects in this, I mean, that's that's kind of the high point of this movie are some of the practical effects. Um, but the ghost or whatever that chases him inside the, the dude's mansion is no longer oh, scary. Oh, that, that looked horrible. Yeah, it's pretty horrible. <laughs> it's when pretty it came nice. out, I remember it being kind of freaky, but now it's just kind of really uh, shitty. I'm, I remember seeing it in the theater and thinking it was shitty then. So the movie we're talking about, Lord of Illusion. I keep pluralizing his work or singularizing it. Whatever, look it up, Lord of Illusion. We prefer you to watch the director's cut if you have the opportunity to do so. If not, if you happen to wa- listen to this in relative fashion, it's available apparently on YouTube, according to Nick. And I watch it on Vudu. Nick has a or uh, Dave watched the director's cut. Um, we, all three of us agree that's the version you should watch, but if you can't, at least watch the movie in general. It's in Clive Barker's probably top five movie adaptations, maybe? Obviously, like, the tops are going to be Hellraiser 2, probably, and... Uh, um, For sure, Hellraiser 2. Yeah, and then Night, Candyman. Yeah. Candyman's Night really Breed, good. Candyman. Probably, yeah, Nightbreed. So those people. are the top three. Hellraiser, Nightbreed, and Candyman are probably the tops. But Mid- Midnight Meat Train is pretty fascinating, of course, we're not, yeah, we agree yeah. on that. We're not I here agree. to talk about any of those, unfortunately. So if your nipples were getting hard over that, we can't help you. Um, Mine are right now. Yeah, but this is a murder mystery with some magic thrown in just to spice things up. There's a cult in the desert, Mojave Desert of all places, which is kind of cool to see Mojave on screen. And uh, yeah. dudes are worshiping this guy. Yeah. He apparently this guy can sling some real magic. Um, He's got a shitty outfit, though. He's, like, walking around in freaking a tank top and sweatpants, and he's supposed to be, like, you know, some magical, all-powerful being. Maybe that's Clive Barker making fun of uh, cult leaders. I don't know. Um, But anyway, this guy does magic. This other guy doesn't like it that they're about to sacrifice a kid. So they attack. Some of the cultists break off into their own own group with this other guy that, that was starting to learn how to do the real magic. And... The cult leader was getting a kick out of that. And whatever. There's a dissension in the ranks. Some of the cultists get killed. The leader look, gets like locked away in some kind of magic prison by drilling these bolts into his head. And he gets buried. And then 20 years later, some of the, the group that splintered off starts to get killed. And they call up a detective who's a private eye, Harry Day Amore, who's actually in the books. And does magic in the books. Which is, in the movie, he has no idea what magic is but then takes part in like an exorcism and has like some bad press about being involved in that. So he takes off, leaves New York or whatever, and goes to Vegas to investigate who's killing this magician and his friends. And then you find out, oh, the cult's reemerging, and this dude's going to come back to life, and he's kind of zombified. 
that's a long-winded version of of telling people what this movie's about. <laughs> but but well, in all fairness, very, there's a lot going it, on. It, in this it's movie. a complicated yeah. movie. You, like you're actually like truncated it pretty what pretty nicely to be honest with you because it's very complicated. There's no short. It's short, got like, Scott Bakula in one of his best roles. If you want, if you like him as an actor and you want to see him do something else besides Quantum Leap and Star Trek Enterprise, he gets to play a private eye trying to solve a mystery. And dude is getting his ass handed to him but in the most stylish yeah. of ways like he just doesn't give up he's like the energizer bunny a trepid little detective gumshoe guy and i mean i guess clive Barker's going for like film noir right like 80s like pulp fictiony style just like it doesn't come off as gritty even if it was intended to be because there's too much color right like it's too fantastic oh but the cult leader being obsessed with that one guy that can also do magic I think was like I definitely think there's like a, a a gay undertone that maybe at the time like you're not allowed to talk about these things in movies. You know what I mean? Like For the subculture sure. stuff. For sure. Like being obsessed with the guy, almost like it's almost like they want to say the cult leader's in love with him, but they can't say that because the the times, right? Like when this movie came out, like early '90s, and he was like writing was in the '80s or whatever. Ninety-five, right? so, and also yeah. Clyde Barker's gay, so it makes sense that he would write this that way. Right, right, know? right. Yeah. But it, but of course, Hollywood at the time would not probably like mm. was like, hey, you know, probably couldn't take the movie as far as he wanted to. You know, you know what I mean? Like, no, like, totally. And yeah, I wish they would have not being accepting it more, of it. It would have made it better. The tone yeah. is there. You kind of get the idea, and also. That guy who has, like, the razor-sharp teeth who... Okay, there's, like, a second-in-command. There's a guy that's obsessed with the cult leader whose name is Butterfield, and he has, like, one (laughs) white eye, and he's mad that the cult leader gets assassinated or supposedly assassinated, and he shows up later, and he's the one that's, like, initiating all the killings of the magician's friends, right? But he has a guy that pals around with him who's got all those scars and, like, razor-sharp teeth... And clearly that dude is in love with the lieutenant. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's his butt boy. And you know what yeah. I mean? Like, he'll do <laughs> yeah. anything for that guy. And then they start following the detective around. And then they fuck up that fortune teller pretty bad. Like, oh, they, 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 yeah, they stick those little, out. like, surgical knives <laughs> into a fortune teller. That's a very uh. Clive Barker moment right there. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm like, jumping, like, way ahead of myself. And I should stop myself because I'm almost ruining our first impressions. So <laughs> let me take a pause and I'll jump over to Nick for his first impressions of Lord of Illusion. Granted, I think we've already mentioned that each one of us has seen this movie a couple of times. So it's really like our third or fourth first impressions. But let's give it a fresh take. Nick, what do you got for us? Magic mixed, mixed with Hellraiser. Mm. If I can compare it. That's my first yeah. impression. Dave? Uh, well, this was my first time watching it, and my first impression was... Oh, shit. I, you, didn't, you never sell this, Dave? No, this is the first time. Oh, I did not know that. Okay, wow. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And and I did watch the director's cut this time, so this is my first t- time, and even That's though good. this was... That's good. And even though this was the director's cut, my first impression is it feels compromised. Mm. Even the I director's mean, cut. I, I feel like I don't know. It, 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 it my just impression is he probably got studio inter- even before his director's cut. He probably had studio interference. I like I would not be surprised if like he didn't get to do half of what he wanted. Wow. It, it felt like it felt like there's a lot of ideas that you know, as you were it. saying, this yeah. movie is complicated because he's got a lot of ideas going on. And even watching it once, I'm like, I need to see this again. Wait, so uh, what but, is your first mm-hmm. impression? Compromised or complicated? 
Uh, okay, compromised and complicated. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Hmm. So, yeah. Uh, that was more than a first impression, but... <laughs> <laughs> what do you got, John? Uh, sizzling. You know, like sweltering. Sizzling. What's a good name? Sultry. Oh, sultry. Yeah. Sultry. I yeah. Because like yeah. he got the detective <laughs> hooking up with Famke Johnson. <coughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And she was right off of uh, GoldenEye at this point, so she was hot. She was right there. Oh, my there. God. Yeah. I... I had no idea she was going to be in this movie. And like, oh yeah, God, was... I know. I remember you texting me, Dave. You were like, oh, my God, <laughs> she's in this movie. <laughs> All right. So while we take a moment to worship Femke Johnson in this movie, <laughs> we'll take a <laughs> we'll take a brief word from our sponsors and talk about some headphones. Well, earbuds anyway. All right. Uh, we'll be back after these messages. Here's the messages. Um. You know, sometimes it's great to take a meditation in life, especially if you're busy. A lot of things are going on in people's households these days. You need to take a break. Throw on your Raycon E25 earbuds. It's my morning meditation. They're the wireless earbuds from Raycon. Their newest model is the Everyday E25 earbuds. They're the best ones yet with six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise-isolating fit. The company was co-founded by Ray J and celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Melissa Etheridge, and Mike Tyson are grooving to tunes out of the Raycon E25s. You can get 15% off your order and get the latest and greatest from Raycon. They're great earbuds at a great price with a great offer for our listeners. Go to buyraycon.com slash bingewatchers. That's buyraycon.com slash bingewatchers for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds by Raycon. Dot com slash binge watchers. And now back to the show. So as we were saying, this is one of Femke Johnson's probably, what, her second or third movie role or something like that? It was right after GoldenEye for sure, yeah. I didn't well, remember that so, she was even in GoldenEye, actually. Yeah. Well, what's funny is then she goes on with Kevin J. O'Connor, to or Kevin, whatever, uh, to oh, do Deep Rising. Deep Rising. Yeah. It's actually kind of a fun movie. <laughs> I love Deep Rising. I actually One like her better favorite. in Deep Rising. But you're right. Her husband in this, who's the magician that the other guy's after, Swan, is like the nerdy officiate. Like he's like their expert in, uh, like on their science team in Deep Rising, right? Something like that. And then he was also in The Mummy. Yeah. Oh dang. Yeah. But Femke Johnson's not in The Mummy. No, that you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. There weren't really any audience questions this week. Just like one guy made a comment on Twitter. I made a video with some sun, with some shades on and my microphone, and and he said, uh, and he said it in a joking, loving way, like he was being nice. He goes, "I didn't know James Belushi loved horror movies." And I'm like, "Holy shit, that's funny." I wrote back to him, and I was like, <laughs> "I haven't heard the James Belushi comparison, but I've heard the John Belushi comparison, right? Like when we were in film school doing comedy <laughs> sketches, like they're like, oh, you should yeah. be in the John Belushi story.' I was like, I would love to be a breakout hit in the John Belushi movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, guy, yeah, he's one I of my idols. That, you know? I can see it. Um, but yeah. it reminded me like my favorite James Belushi movie actually is Red Heat. With Arnold, mm. where Arnold's like a Russian cop during the USSR, but there's a criminal oh, that affects that both the U.S. and Russia, and so they like they team up, right? And it's a it's a Walter Hill movie, you know, who did uh, the Warriors? What else did he do? He didn't he do the Forty Eight Hours? Three, 
48 Hours, yeah. Streets of Fire. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Last Man Standing. Last Man Standing. So, yeah, yeah being compared to James Belushi is all right, too, I guess. I mean, he he's he's what we got. John's dead. We got James. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, like, he, he owns K-9. a big pot farm. <laughs> yeah. I, there's got to be at least five movies that, like, we're ready to go for John. They're like, oh, shit, John's dead. Okay, go ahead and send James the scripts. Go ahead and FedEx the script over to James. You know? I'm, I'm sure Destiny he got too. a lot of roles. Yeah. Oh my! I love Mr. Destiny though. That's oh, that's, a, that's probably his best movie. That's actually. a really good movie. That's a really good movie. The only other movie that's better than that, maybe, but it's kind of similar. Do you guys see the one where he gets out of prison and he pretends to be the guy, the business guy, and like lives in the oh, mansion? Taking care of business. Yeah. That, that was one's good pretty too. good. Yeah. Isn't Charles one. Grodin in that movie? Isn't he the guy, that, the real business guy? Maybe. He was always a put-upon guy during that era, though. Yeah. <laughs> he's kind of doing nothing now. Oh, because he's, like, in his 70s or 80s. And he's... You know what? Now... Dolph Lundgren's in his 70s, and he's still kicking around. Is Dolph well, Lundgren in 70s? No, I don't know. I don't know how old he is. Oh, yeah, like, but he's got a 30-year-old or... wife or whatever, yeah. fiancé. I Dolph saw that Lundgren on his like Facebook the other day. I was like, holy nothing. shit. They got him doing like pharmaceutical <laughs> pharmaceutical commercials on his Facebook. Oh man! You know, for like Lipitar and what, shit like that. For like old what men. You got, what you have to do to drive that Lamborghini? Make a little bucks, sooner. like talking yeah. about earbuds. <laughs> <laughs> what you gotta do? What you gotta? Yeah, do? So what, it's definitely what you gotta do. And and now we arrive at our favorite bits from this movie. Um, I guess I'll kick it off. I like the people going, getting sucked in the floor. At one point, they like... That was badass. The magic goes wrong, and all the cult worshippers, he's like, fuck you guys. Or he's like, wants to absorb their life force. I don't know exactly know why he does this to them, because they're the ones who love him. But the cult leader, like, snaps his fingers or does whatever, and, like, they get pulled into the ground like quicksand, and then it dries up, and they're just stuck there. Um, And that's another one of his stories. It's called Skins of the Father. And they decided to just put it in this movie. I don't know. Hmm. You're up, um, Nick. I, I thought the whole bounce. You know, bounce oh, wait, grinding, Dave, you're going to uh, take it? Oh, sorry. You're going to take it, Dave? What happened? I was going to ask you something, Nick, but then Dave was ready to go. Oh, so we'll just have Dave jump in with his favorite bit. Freaking Dave. Let's get him off the show. Fucking what? Dave. Yeah, what's your favorite <laughs> bit, Dave? <laughs> Um, I, I was just gonna say the the at the beginning binding uh with the contraption and the blood and the bolts. Holy fuck, that kind of freaked the fuck out of me. Oh, drilling uh, into the guy's head—that was probably the most Hellraiser like moment. Yeah, I For think sure. that's probably why too. That felt the most Clive Barkery. I mean, it's his whole movie, but uh, that that felt the most like Hellraisery to me. I think you got to put something like that in the beginning of a movie to like sell the audience on like, oh shit. It's the Hellraiser We're guy. All right, I'm in, you know? Yeah. What about you, Nick? What's your favorite bit? My favorite bit is actually, and it fascinated me. So when you watch this movie and, what is it, Harry Damore, uh, Scott Bakula's character, mm-hmm. um, when they're trying to get him to get take the case and then they flash back to the exorcist scene, you know, the yeah. exorcism yeah. that he had to deal with in the past. I wanted to fucking see that movie. Oh, <laughs> it was yeah. intense, right? Yeah. Like, I, every time I watched it, it seemed like, 
holy shit, like Clyde Barker did a scary fucking exorcist thing right here. I want to see this. I want to see more of this. And that's my favorite bit because I've always feel disappointed. I always feel like I'm like, oh, some, you know, like I almost got off, but I didn't. Right. Like I wanted. Oh, to see yeah. It. Yeah. See, I, I think that's kind of I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't think this movie totally works for me, uh, but I also feel like I need to watch it again because there's so much going on. But there's this feels so like much. if this this feels like this would have been better suited as like a, a you know, one off miniseries now, you know, like get a Netflix oh, yeah. miniseries give like this nine, could be nine, this could be 10 episodes. episodes. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um, until a complete story like it just felt like it felt like there's too many ideas in one story and I don't think he got to play everything out. Um, yeah. And then they're like cutting it down to an hour and 40 minutes. It's like, how the hell do you do it with this story? Hell no. Yeah. Right. And, I, and and I'm saying that with the two hour version, you mean guys watching even shorter. Version. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, right. You imagine, you imagine when I saw him in the theater as a kid, like, Oh hell no. <laughs> yeah. Right? There's a lot of stuff that doesn't totally make sense. Agree. Yeah. Um, but maybe that maybe that's what it is—a timing thing. Maybe you don't have enough time to try to explain what you're seeing. You know what I mean? Like what it's supposed to mean when you see it on screen, as opposed to what's actually happening. Right. You know? Yeah. Like uh, they wanted to go inside the body and show you what happened to Swan when he was fighting with him, and it's like, oh, a broken bone, and it looks like an X-ray, or like they tried to show you a brain aneurysm or something. You know? Yeah. But it's like, yeah. okay, but what like? What exactly is happening? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like what mag- Like, how does magic work? First of all, they, they don't they don't explain. It has some connection to hell because they open a portal to hell, but then when its powers are like at its zenith, its peak or whatever, and the movie's about to end, he starts to mutate with like crazy. It looks like bacterial infections or like. Like syphilis or something, you know what I'm saying? Like when the when the monster yeah. magician magic guy at the end like starts mutating, like I don't know, is that just supposed to be something grotesque? And then like we're all bags of shit or something? Because remember he does that illusion where he taps you, taps the guy's heads, and they all they see people is is like rotting bags of flesh. Yeah, but they don't establish the rule. That's the problem. What are they the rules of magic yeah. in Clive Barker's universe? How does it work and operate? Yeah. Is it real or is it not? Because it clearly has real consequences. People get killed. So how does it actually operate? And it doesn't have the same rules as Hellraiser because it's not based on committing a sin, right? Like, mm-hmm. and having your sins used against you. And literally your flesh and blood being measured against you, right? Like, that's the two most valuable things in Hellraiser are your flesh and blood, right? So, and it's not like that in this movie, so maybe that's the missing component. Like, the understanding as an audience member of what the hell you're seeing. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe the context is read the story and then watch the movie. I I don't know. Uh, it, but uh, by the way, is there a novel of this? I didn't do research on. No, it's just it's I, just I, one of the stories in the Book of Blood. It's just it's called the Last okay. Illusion. Okay. And it's about the investigation, like why are Swan's friends getting killed? Here's an interesting uh, I, thing, though. I, I, I did need, they really shoot in the Magic Castle? Because they did. The Magic Castle. Not everybody can get in there. Like you have to be a magician's friend. There are supposedly secret rooms. Like it's not everybody gets to go there. 
Well, they shot outside of it. Inside, hmm. I'm sure they probably built it was a, like a set, set or something. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I'm assuming. I'm not. Hmm. Don't hold me to this. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I guess it's time to put it on the scales of justice. I mean, I don't know what else to call this. It, it reminds me of, uh, like, binge now, binge later, binge never. Um, let's start with Dave. Um, let's see. I'm just going to go, uh, just Clyde, not necessarily Clive Barker directed movies, just Clive Barker adaptations. Um, I'm with you. I'm going to say Midnight Meat Train is a watch now. Um, mm. I don't know if a lot of people have seen it. So if you get a chance, watch that right away because it is so fucking good. Um, I would say Binge Later, the original Hellraiser. It's very atmospheric and it's just a good movie. Um, this, I'm going to say Binge Never, and, and it's not even fair to say that because I think it's worth watching, but if I'm going to rank it, it's not, I don't think immediately jump to it. Okay. I think you can hold off. Um, Nick, how do you weigh it? Um, it? I, would say, I would say Binge Now. I would say Hellraiser 2. Mm-hmm. I would say you know, uh, binge later, I would say this, uh, Lord of Illusions, uh, and binge never, I would probably say Rawhead Rex. I like it, mm. but I don't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, binge now. I think you can watch Lord of Illusions right now. I recommend the director's cut. Binge later, I like Hellraiser 3. Which is really not, it's not oh really a gosh. Clive Barker thing, but Hell yeah, it's John. my favorite it's of the fun. Hellraisers, Dude. and it's just like an expansion I, of his story. I love you, John. Um, let's, 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 do a sh- let's do a show on Hellraiser 3. Come on, let's bring this up. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I love that movie too. So. Well, to we, did, you, we, we, we did a What the Horror. Punch. Yeah, we a couple seasons ago, we did a What the Horror edition of uh, Hellraiser Son 3. of a bitch, let's do part two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We should do all the terrible ones. We should actually work backwards. We should start out oh. with the horrible ones and then get to the good ones. Um, it's, it's hard. You know what? I could easily say binge never to any of the Hellraiser sequels after Infer- Inferno. But um, my binge never... Hmm... I hate Candyman too. It's pretty bad. Yeah, I agree. So uh, I'm gonna really that'll bad. be my binge never. It's either and two or three. three. They have two sucks. or three of those movies. They suck. They're they're terrible. They got to three, right? Didn't they get to three? Yeah. They got to three. Alright, yeah. so two three might be alright. Which one had they, the girl cross cross lines? Was it part two? I'm not sure. I, I try to forget. Anyway. <laughs> um now, this is kind of slowly becoming my favorite segment of the show. Like, what else are we watching? For some reason, it's just really fun to discover these other things. So, Nick, what else are you watching? I am three episodes away from finishing Money Heist. And, guys, I cannot <laughs> recommend... I know I've brought it up three, three yeah. times already. I will be done with it by the next podcast. And I am in love with this show. It's my top five favorite shows. Got anyone who's listening to this, watch Money Heist. It's it's this Spain show that is fucking incredible. It's like it's on it's almost on Breaking Bad level. It's so good. So I, I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. And and I'll bring new stuff to the table next week, I'm sure. Because <laughs> because I brought this up a few times, but I'm like, dude, guys, like I I got four seasons and I'll be done next week. And I love it. So that's my that's my that's my thing. 
That is yeah. a true binge watcher. I am truly binge watching this shit. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, Davey, what do you got for us? Oh man, you know, we talked nostalgia earlier like that. I've watched more rewatches this week than watched new movies. <laughs> um, cause it's just been that kind of week, but I'll say the best, uh, I even got to go to a drive-in and saw a movie on a big screen this week. What? Wait, wait, wait tell me, tell me about that. Can well, I, I saw just... the big Lebowski and Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, oh my gosh. But that's yeah. not what I'm going to recommend though. Believe it or not. The yeah. best thing I've seen all week, and I haven't watched it in well over probably 20 years or more, was the Adams Family movie from the fucking 90s. That movie holds up so damn well, and I was like, my, I was laughing so hard at that movie. The first uh, one or Adam Fa- Adam's Family Values? Actually, we watched. I watched both this week because I like the first one. <laughs> I, <laughs> okay, but but I like the second one. The second one's fucking good too. I agree. I guess I'm gonna say that Adam's Family, the two movies together, because I agree with you. I yeah. actually kind of like the second one a little more. The second one's great. It's a it's a great sequel. Yeah, uh, but I love those movies so much. I haven't watched them in so long. I'm like, I that might have to be a Halloween regular now. Like they're just that fun. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Hmm. So I won't say podcasting doesn't have any perks because somebody hooked us up with some Criterion Collection viewing. And so I watched this yeah. introduction to Toshiro Mifune samurai movies. He's known as the Great Samurai. He was in like over 100 movies Seven Samurai, Rashomon, Hidden Fortress, Throne of Blood, Redbeard. Worked with Akira Kurosawa a lot. Um, is in a gangster movie and i'm blanking on the name of it but it's really good a japanese gangster movie um but i didn't know that charles action bronson from death wish and tashira mofuni like yeah. were so a gunslinger and a samurai were in a movie together called red sun in like 1970 or 1971 it's a western but then the samurais are there because they're like the first ambassadors to the United States, they show up, they're going to give the president a special sword and a French cowboy who is a real piece of shit. And like, you're, you're mad at him like almost immediately. And I guess he's like, uh, one of the actors that has appeared in like, um, a lot of the Westerns, maybe in Italy, but also like, I guess there's French Westerns and he's like a really popular guy and his name skips me. So sorry folks. I didn't remember the French actor's name, but like, right away, you hate this guy. Like, it's hard to make a villain actually, like, hateable. You know, they're usually just kind of, like, um, like cliches, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they do something, and then you're like, okay, he's the bad guy. No, this guy's, like, a piece of shit. And, like, you watch the movie for 20 minutes, and you're like, you, you want this guy to actually get killed. Like, you actually don't like this guy at all. And Charles Bronson's character at first is like, yo, let's rob this train. And they're helping each other, but then the, the piece of shit guy takes things way too far, kills, like one of the ambassador's guards, which makes, you know, Tashiro's samurai character really pissed. Like, why did you just kill my buddy? There's no reason you didn't have to take it that far. And kills a bunch of people on the train and then tries to blow up Charles Bronson. And, like, first of all, hey, you don't fuck with Charles Bronson. You just don't do that. You know, oh, you know no. what I mean? Yeah, Try to blow him up with dynamite. <laughs> and then there's, then there's, like, a cowboy who's going to retire from robbing trains and he got blown up. And that was, like, Charles Bronson's buddy. So, first of all... You don't do that either. You don't kill a friend of Bronson, you know? Like, if <laughs> any of the 17 Death Wish movies have taught us anything, you don't fuck with Bronson and his friends, that people he cares about. But Hell no. I, the fact that I didn't know this existed, like, that, that was the mind-blower at first. Like, how did I not hear about this? 
like, um, and it doesn't have to be a great movie, right? Like, it, as Dave would say, it's a popcorn movie, you know? But it made me happy. One o'clock in the morning, I found this movie on a, a freaking Roku channel, or like a free Western channel, and I played this movie, and I'm like, I am thoroughly entertained. Like, do you remember, the, like, you just watch a movie, and you're just, yeah. like, completely entertained and captivated for 90 minutes? That never happens. You, you know what I mean? Like, without criticism? You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, just, just sitting there enjoying the fucking movie, you know? You guys should watch Red. Sounds like it's on the Roku channel. Yeah, it's on one of the Roku right. channels. Yeah. I, I would love to see this. I love, I love using Charles Bronson. Yeah. Like to the fact where I was like, oh, that should be my weekly video. I should make a video about it. <laughs> Charles Bronson every week. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> do, 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 uh, do Jeff, Death Wish, uh, Death, Death Wish Five. Trust Holy me. Holy shit. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, there are no special announcements this week. Just uh, I don't know. You can support us by buying those headphones. That would be something. Go to buyraycon.com forward slash binge watchers. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna go for shameless plugs like that. I'm just gonna say like any of the movies we talked about tonight would be great to watch. You know? They're all good. Yeah. Yeah. And then next week we're gonna end our summer horror movie marathon summer slash 2020 with Scream 1980 we started the marathon with the Scream series you know Wes Craven's Scream but now we're going to go back and find the original slasher movie from the 80s that also just happens to have the same title no relation to the other series whatsoever just it's also called Scream I'm, I'm excited I, I don't even know what the hell this movie's about I'm ready <laughs> are, are we going to do a prediction <laughs> Oh, you want to do a prediction? Um, I think we're gonna like the movie until the. I think we're gonna like the movie until the end because it pulls a bullshit day of smock and a type shit. shit. So I have a feeling it's gonna be okay, but probably just mediocre, which is why we talk about the '96 screen about this one. Obviously, find out next week. Yeah, yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs>